This is Couch and Coffee Table. I am your fellow couch surfer and head lounger, Michael Perry. Today is our second and final part of Power Records, the Monster Series. So let's just get right into it. Our first one up is a story about Dracula called Terror in the Snow. This was released in 1974 and is based off of Marvel Comics' The Tomb of Dracula, issue number 19. So, here's Dracula in Terror in the Snow. mountains heaved in agony. A winter storm in the Transylvanian Alps raged more intense and furious with each passing moment. This winter would be harsh indeed for these long-weathered mountains, but they would survive. Yes, the Alps would survive, but will a very lost Dracula and Rachel Van Helsing survive as well? Power Records presents Terror in the Snow. I can hardly see. Please rest. Please, I'm about to collapse. We move on, Van Helsing. To stay here would mean the death of both of us. Then I won't go on any further. I don't care if I die. If I take you along with me. You will move, woman. You have no choice. Ah, what? Shit! I'm falling! No! You shall not be so lucky to fall to your death. Not while I need you more alive. For almost 20 years, I have sought to slay you. To add your name to my ever-growing legions. And now, now I must prevent your death at all costs. For the moment, at least, I must be your savior. So now, my lifelong huntress, we move on. And though it aches us both, we must cooperate. Our survival on it. On they trek aimlessly through the endless blizzard until they find a cave. I have prepared the fire for you, Van Helsing. Rest by it quietly. Your hurts will soon pass. Will the broken bones heal themselves too, Dracula? I provide you warmth, comfort, and shortly food. What else could you want? What I've sought for all these years, Dracula. Your final and everlasting death. I owe you for the countless horrors you've committed against me, my family, to the world. Even if I must forfeit my own life, I'll see the day that you're long dead and buried. Hardly, my dear. You can barely stand on that foot, let alone fight me. No, I'd say for now, you will simply do as I command. I see your dinner has finally arrived, my dear. Pardon me, please, while I tend to it. Remain where you are, great goat. Tonight you will fill the stomachs of two hungry souls. The giant mountain goat merely nods its wide-horned head and waits. As death descends madly upon it, it tries to shake loose its attack, but it fails. Taste is bitter and wretched, yet still I feel strength again flow through my bones. I protect the one I have ever sought to slay. I feed upon the blood of an impure beast. Yes, since the crash, much has been changed. Too much. And all because Van Helsing found the second book of sin. I remember how we fought for possession of the book. Those ancient scrolls inscribed with a spell to utterly destroy all vampires, including myself. But as we struggled, Rachel Van Helsing grasped the crumbling pages and made her escape. I instantly knew the dangers to me and my legions if she could translate the symbols and spells. And so I followed her. Her helicopter rose quickly through the Transylvanian winter countryside. I got onto the machine's lower railings and I thrust myself into the cabin. Dracula, I don't know how you got in here, but you're not staying. If that book is so important to you, there's no way I'm going to let you get it. Woman, you are a fool. What makes you believe you can keep possession of anything I desire? 
but we shall discuss the papers in a moment, after I rid us of some unneeded baggage. What are you doing? Stay away from me! Stay away! <laughs> God, you killed him without even a moment's care. You're a monster, an inhuman monster. His life is unimportant. Then you're in for a rude awakening, Dracula. He was the pilot, and I haven't the slightest notion on how to fly this. And something tells me neither do you. You're already miles off course, heading into the Transylvanian Alps. I can see that, Van Helsing. Yes, already there is snow and ice. We must turn back. And how are we going to accomplish that, Dracula? As I told you, I'm not a pilot. Then we shall simply crash. And though I shall survive, my dear, I doubt if you will. Brace yourself, woman, and we shall see if the fates are kind to you this night. As the giant helicopter smashed into a great white peak, which suddenly jutted before it. I live, as always before. I survive where others perish. But the book, the cause of all this madness, little matters now in this desolate wilderness. We are so far from civilization that none shall ever find this. Van Helsing awakens. Good. I can't move. I think it's broken. That will not do on the long journey before us. You will need a bandage. No! Leave it alone! You're hurting it! Silence, woman! Until this heals, you'll have to live with pain, which may keep your mind off attacking me for a while. Now, come with me. If we are to reach other humans, we must begin. Why are you doing this for me? Why don't you just take my blood and be done with it? You've wanted me dead for years. I still do, my dear. Common sense tells me not to give in to my lusts. If I were to take your blood now, I may not find any for days. You are being kept alive as an emergency measure. Think of that, my dear Nelson, and you shall see the futility of your situation. <laughs> Enjoying your meal, Van Helsing? Good. You're thinking of fattening me up for the final slaughter. Dracula, you've got a lot to learn. Little matter, Van Helsing. I will eventually win. I have always won my battles. Maybe not this time, Dracula. The sun will be up soon, and when you go to sleep, not even my broken leg will stop me from slaying you. And if I can't slay you, then I'll kill myself. In such a way, you'll get no blood from me. My dear. You know as I do that you'll never kill yourself. Not until the final moment you are positive your death would cause my own. Do not try lying to a master liar. Woman. It will do you no good. The brief respite is over. Slowly and painfully, the strange duo press on, advancing against nature's fury and the approach of daylight. Struggling is useless, Van Helsing. I have only one hour more to travel before the sun rises, and I aim to have traveled far in that time. Then I'll try anything to delay that, Dracula. What? Rachel Van Helsing flings herself from the snowbound peak and falls, taking a suddenly off-balance Dracula down with her. Which? Because of you, we might both be doomed. But Rachel doesn't answer. Down they continue to plunge, until the rope snaps taut about the rock, which Rachel tied it to moments before, assuring herself a delay in their travels but not a deadly one. Woman, you're trying my patience too far. I may yet taste your blood and take my chances alone. No, I think you'll keep me alive and risk more trouble than have me dead and perhaps kill yourself as well. Really, my dear, I doubt that. You see, even if I am dead, one of my legions will find me and resurrect me. <laughs> Frustrated, dear Van Helsing? I knew you would be. Humans always find it impossible to accept a being who can live forever. Immortality frightens those who fail to understand it completely. Perhaps you should learn what it means to taste eternity on your lips. Would you like that, Van Helsing? Would you like that? Well, worry not this night, my dear. You'll not become a vampire until I can resist the bloodlust no more. No. Into this cave. We will spend the morning hours here. There shall be another long night tomorrow, Van Helsing. So plot not to slay me and rest instead. You will need your sleep. Her body aching with pain, Rachel Van Helsing closes her eyes, but not to sleep. She still has a mission to perform this morning, and she will not rest until the deed is done. All the while through these daylight hours, Dracula sleeps, his strength returning to his weary bones. 
But Rachel Van Helsing still waits, waits for the moment she will finally slay the dreaded Lord of Vampires. And at long last, that moment is now. Silently she rises, stifling the aching pain she feels grow in her leg, and holding the stake she has kept hidden in her parker since before she began this ill-fated journey, she treads softly towards the sleeping figure. He doesn't move, and with a bitter smile on her lips, she thrusts down and misses. You foolish female. Did you truly believe you could take Dracula unawares? <laughs> now there shall be no rest for you, Van Helsing. I expect nothing from you, Dracula, except to kill you when I can. Still you persist, my dear. You waste your time on fantasies, then. Now move, or be dragged through the snow and ice. Perhaps it's fatigue, bloodthirst. But Dracula does not sense the hulking form which follows his path. Until it is too late, that is. What? The great beast attacks! Lord of Vampires has been too long without blood. And so it is Dracula who falls to the snow-covered mountains. And it is Dracula who screams as salivating teeth dig through his flesh. Rachel Van Helsing trembles at the sight of the two crashing forms. And though she fights the urge, her hand almost involuntarily reaches for her gun. And she fires. There is a sudden and horrifying cry. And the great beast falls back dead. God, I so desperately wanted it to kill you. I couldn't let it. I just couldn't. Of course, my dear. You had no other choice. They're somewhere down there. Pilot, keep flying. I don't know how much longer we can go, Mr. Drake. The wind's acting up pretty bad. You'll keep this crate flying until I've found them. Wait! They're down there. And Rachel's walking on her own. Okay, Pilot. Lower away. That helicopter. Frank! Frank! Come back here, woman! The time has finally come for me to taste your blood. Drake will not help you. No, my dear. You shall finally learn the ecstasy of vampirism. No! You'll never have me, Dracula. Never! Yes. I shall derive great pleasure from this moment. But no! They're firing wooden bullets at me. I must escape their path. Yes, my Now see if he wants you. Or if he'll abandon you to still hunt me. They're splitting up, Mr. Drake. Should we land or go after the man? I can't leave Rachel out there to die of exposure. Land the copter pilot. A few moments later and... Frank, you've got to find him and kill him. Calm down, honey. After you've warmed up a bit, we'll discuss it. But now, pilot, head back to Transylvania. Back to Transylvania, Frank? We can't stop now. This may finally be our chance to destroy Dracula. We can't give up now. We can't. Got a definite stubborn streak in you, little lady. Why? I don't want to bore you, darling. Consider me a captive audience. Boron. You know of my grandfather, Abraham Van Helsing, and of his battles with Dracula, and how all believed the vampire had been killed. But he wasn't. Years later, the fiend returned and murdered grandfather. But still, he wasn't done with our family. When I was nine, he killed my parents as I watched helpless in horror. Even as he then moved to slay me... With your death, young Rachel, the Van Helsing name shall be no more. His fangs started for my neck. Hold it, Dracula. Don't even look at the girl. She'll not be your victim tonight. Quincy Harker, my family's longtime friend, burst through the door and fired his jet-propelled wooden darts from his wheelchair. So, you've added another new device to your arsenal, eh, Harker? Well, keep the girl for now, old friend, but beware. There will come a time when she will be mine. <laughs> when the echo of that cold laughter faded, the reality of what had happened rushed at me. Come to me, Rachel. You've gone through far too much for a girl your age. Far too much for any person. Quincy took me into his home, raised me into womanhood. Does that explain why I'm... As you say, so stubborn. Does it, Frank? There is no answer, nor is there a need for one. But below... They're gone at last, searching elsewhere on this mountainside. Weak as I am, I must try to make my way to safety, or perish in the attempt to fly. Already I feel my insides shriveling from blood loss. I can remain here no longer. I have no choice but to brave the storm as a night-winged bat. No! Its force is too great, too powerful. It is impossible to fly through. Then am I to be trapped in this hellish wasteland forever? 
It appears not as... What? He shooting through me numbing my arm. How? How? So Van Helsing and Drake are back, attacking me once more. I must flee before they can attack on you. For a moment, a wobbling, unsure Dracular hesitates as he stares at the bottomless chasm before him. Then he leaps and plunges ever downward toward his apparently unpreventable destruction. What? He's gone? But it can't be, it can't. There are caves for him to hide in. Any way for him to be hiding in a snowbank, right? Maybe. Keep searching, Frank. We'll finish him off as soon as we find him. If we find him, you mean, Rachel. It's that very big if which prevented us from slaying him years ago. This time he's bound to be finished, Frank. He's weak. Weaker than he's been for years. I hope you're right, Rachel. But he's managed to survive almost half an eternity. Let's pray this time we didn't muff it. Because if we did, if he's alive, somewhere out there, too bad for us all. Too bad for us all. Our second story was released in 1974 by Power Records, and it's called The Monster of Frankenstein. You're listening to Couch and Coffee Table. Power Records presents The Monster of Frankenstein. A solitary figure climbed higher and higher. Finally, his legs grew weary, and he sought refuge in a cave. There, Victor Frankenstein began to search his mind for an answer to a terrifying problem. How had his experiment for the betterment of all mankind gone awry? Why? He had created a monster, and his creation had to be destroyed. But as he sat, he failed to notice another sinister presence at the mouth of the cave until it was too late, far too late. You! Yes, and for your crime against nature, Victor Frankenstein, you must die. No! Animals fear fire, and so should you. If only I can reach my gun. First you burn me, then you shoot me. Good Lord, the bullet barely faced him. Don't, please! Let me explain. Explain? How will you explain, Frankenstein? Look at me, at what I am. No, there will be no explanation, save for mine. And when I have finished, you will pay with your life. But for us, there must be an explanation of how all this came to be. How did Victor Frankenstein come to create the monster who now terrified him? He came from a wealthy family, and they were all there to bid him farewell his fiancée, Elizabeth, his younger brother, William, his father, and his best friend, Clerval. I shall miss you, dearest Elizabeth. Take care and Godspeed. Study hard, dear Victor. Gentlemen, the coach is packed and ready. And so the aspiring young scientist left for the University of Geneva. Victor will do well if his ambition doesn't block his path. Frankenstein did well indeed. Your work is outstanding, my boy. And today we begin the dissection of human cadavers. With each lesson, Frankenstein became more and more impatient to delve ever deeper into the mysteries of the human body. By the end of his third year, he was prepared to embark upon the darkest voyage into the unknown in the history of mankind. Any place that harbored an undamaged corpse became the haunt of a possessed Victor Frankenstein. Night after night, he dragged his grisly loot to his secluded laboratory, until at last his project neared completion. I've worked nearly six months, but if I succeed, as I know I must, I will have created human life from that which was dead and bridged the final gap which leads to immortality. There, the final injection. Now, I can only wait and wait and wait. It's not moving, not even breathing. Live, blast you, live! Frankenstein stared at the monster's lifeless form. Then, overcome with disappointment, he turned back to his notes. 
It's a mummy! various parts of the dead. I'll be famous. I'll... Wait. It's rising. Walking toward me. Staring at me. Those eyes. Those horrible, glowing yellow eyes. Filled with hatred. Hatred of me. No. Stay away. I created you. Do you hear? You must obey me. But the creature would not obey. It continued to advance on its creator until in total panic Frankenstein fled in mortal fear of the thing he himself had created. Trembling, the exhausted doctor fell into a deep, fitful sleep. Hours later, sensing an unseen presence, he bolted upright to see the creature hovering menacingly over his bed. Paralyzed with fright, Frankenstein watched his creation as it gestured toward him, and he knew this monstrosity must be destroyed. Desperate, the doctor lashed out. Get away from me! You hear? Keep back! But the velocity of the chair striking the creature's rock-hard skin was like a matchstick striking a boulder. And far more serious, Frankenstein had established himself as the creature's enemy. Nothing phases the creature. Have to get away! Escape! And so Frankenstein ran for his life. He fled into the rain-swept darkness, his fear too great to allow him to stop. But finally the body overcame the mind, and he collapsed on the cold, wet earth. As dawn stole across the lawn where he rested, Victor, in heaven's name, what are you doing here? Open your eyes, man. Clerval, oh, thank God you're here. Clerval took his delirious friend to his own hotel room, where he hovered between life and death for many weeks. It has been a long ordeal, Victor, but the crisis has passed. Therefore, much as it grieves me, my first words to you must be those of greatest sorrow. My friend, your younger brother, William, He's been murdered, and your father's young ward, Justine Moritz, has been charged. William, dead? And poor Justine? Good Lord, I must go to father. The journey back to Geneva was long and painful for Victor Frankenstein. Could the monster, and not poor Justine, have murdered William in an act of revenge? Even in the arms of his beloved Elizabeth, he found it impossible to erase the creature from his thoughts. I can't believe Justine guilty. It is difficult for all of us, Victor. But the facts, she was found clutching William's pendant only a few feet from where he was murdered. Tell me, Father, is it not possible the murderer placed the pendant in Justine's grasp while she slept? What sort of being could commit so heinous a crime than blame it on an innocent girl? And even as his father asked the question, Frankenstein knew the answer. I knew it! Was certain of it! And now my most terrible suspicions are confirmed. The creature lives and seeks revenge! I must stop him. I must. What is it, Victor? Why did you bolt from the room? I saw someone peering in the window. But these tracks show that he got away. When when will Justine be hanged, Father? Tomorrow, I believe. There's no hope for her. And so Justine Moritz was hanged. Died at the age of 21 for a crime she did not commit before the glazed eyes of a tortured Victor Frankenstein. The monster had laid his trap perfectly and two innocent people now lay dead. The next morning, Frankenstein packed and departed into the mountains, in hope that the jagged peaks would grant him refuge from the horrors of the world below. But the very monster he dreaded, having followed him, now confronted Victor Frankenstein in his mountain refuge. Listen to me, Victor Frankenstein. You constructed my body piece by piece, created me against all the laws of God and man, gave me life, only no! to... No! Desert me! Leave me alone and helpless! Please, believe me. I didn't know what I was doing when I created you. But you did create me. And survive, I did. For days I wandered through the dense forests. It would have been easy for me to collapse and die, but I refused. Finally, on the tenth day, fate intervened. A huge bear came out of a thicket toward me. Weak with hunger, but strong with the desire to live, I fought him, and in the end, it was I who survived. Yes, I survived. Finally, food. It gave me the strength I needed. Deeper and deeper into the mountains I trudged. The loneliness became far more difficult to bear than the mere pangs of hunger. Then one day, I came upon a small cottage in the clearing, and 
I prayed it would be my salvation. For several days, I hid at the edge of the forest and watched its inhabitants. A blind old man and his daughter and son-in-law. I watched, observed, and learned. The three people became my friends, though of course they did not know of my presence. Oh, how I yearned to go to them, to tell them I was their friend. But it was impossible. I remained hidden, watching and listening, gradually beginning to learn the basics of their language. The winter passed slowly, but my learning process continued. Under cover of darkness, I did chores for them. I don't understand, Father. Who would do this for us, and why? Such good fortune is not for us to question, my son. Finally, as the snows began to melt, I watched the couple bid the old man farewell. We will return within a week, Father. Will you be all right here, alone? But of course, my dear. Have a good trip, and do not worry about me. This was the opportunity I'd waited for, the chance to make a friend. The old man was blind. I argued with myself, so he'd have no reason to fear me. But as I struggled to make a fateful decision, fate herself, in the form of a starving, salivating wolf, made my decision for me. Without the slightest hesitation, I bolted from my shelter and ran toward the house. The snarling beast crashed through the window. I've known such anguish. Only a few yards away, a frail, sightless old man was fighting for his very life. And if he lost, then so would I. When I reached the cabin door, I discovered the door was locked. Summoning all the strength that remained within me, I prepared for one final assault. The door gave way. I rushed toward the bloodthirsty creature and pulled it from my friend, snapping its wretched neck in the same swift motion. I turned to the moaning, bleeding old man and prayed that his life would be spared. For three days I sat vigil with him, treating his wounds and begging him to live. Then, miraculously, on the fourth day, he spoke. Who are you? I have sensed your presence, noticed your kindness to me. But up to now I've been too weak to say thank you. My eyes filled with tears of gladness as the old man talked. At last I had made a friend, at least until the others returned. You are kind. The next two days were the happiest of my miserable life. We talked, we became close, but I knew it was too good to last. Tomorrow my family will arrive, and I can hardly wait for them to meet you, my friend. I froze at the very thought of their return. Early the next morning, they came. By the saints! What sort of thing is that? In the cottage with your father. Stay here, my love, and pray that I am not too late to save him. Get away from him! He's just a blind old man! No! Wait! You do not understand. I am... There was no reasoning with him. His eyes were glazed with disgust and hatred as he advanced on me with the axe. I wanted to scream out, to explain to them, but there was no time. Kill it! In God's name, someone help us kill it! I fled, her words ringing in my ears as I ran into the forest. Kill it! Kill it! Not him, but it! Once more I was alone, totally alone, and in that brief instant, I learned the meaning of the word hate. Yes, hate, Victor Frankenstein. And in that moment of my greatest despair, it was upon you that I swore vengeance. You, who are the cause of all my pain and grief, of all my loneliness. At last, I found you, Frankenstein. And now, you die. Go ahead, kill me. I deserve no better fate. You want to die? Then I will make you live. Live and suffer as I have. Slowly, almost gently, the monster let his creator slide to the stone floor. Then, as Frankenstein wept uncontrollably, the monster once again spoke. Farewell, Dr. Frankenstein. When you are feeling sorry for yourself, for the grief you have known and will know, remember what I have suffered has been a thousand times greater. It was a shaken Victor Frankenstein who arrived back in Geneva, only to find that the monster's threats were all true. 
not only had his best friend Clerval died under mysterious circumstances, but even more grievous news awaited him. Elizabeth's been murdered, and your father, I'm afraid he's dying. And so the old man was. The news of Elizabeth's death had been too much for him. His father, Clerval, Elizabeth, all dead. It was more than the grief-stricken Victor could bear. Shortly after the funeral, he was placed in an asylum for an indefinite period of time. After several months, he gained his release. You have progressed, Victor. I only pray this obsession will not yet destroy you. It will not, Doctor. It will only destroy the thing which nearly destroyed me. And so Victor Frankenstein set forth to find and destroy the monster he had created. Now the lust for revenge was his, and it consumed and possessed him completely. More than a month passed without so much as a trace of his quarry, until finally he saw something move far in the distance. At last the trail had grown warm. His burning lust for revenge pushed him to and beyond the limit where normal men would fall. The end was drawing ever closer. He found footprints, footprints which could only have been left by the monster he saw. A final burst of strength coursed through him. He was close now, closer than he'd ever been. Suddenly, the two adversaries caught sight of one another. The shell of the man who was Victor Frankenstein advanced. Now, cursed beast, revenge will be mine. The air was split by a sharp cracking sound, the sound of an icebreak. The deadly gaping jaws had opened wide. In an instant, the monster was engulfed by the icy black waters of the Arctic. Down he plummeted. The end was at hand. In a way, Victor Frankenstein had been cheated of his final satisfaction. But perhaps it was only right that such a creature should die at nature's hand, for its very existence had been an affront to her sovereignty. Death did not come easily. He battled her grim assault for as long as his lungs would allow. But in the end, he sucked the freezing, salty waters inward, and peace at last was his. For our third story, we have one with Marvel's Werewolf by Night. This story is from Marvel's Spotlight issue number two, published in February of 1972. Here it is called The Curse of the Werewolf, and Power Records released it in 1974. Power Records presents The Curse of the Werewolf. Even a man who's pure of heart and says his prayers at night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the moon is full and bright. The words seemed to echo in my skull. I struggled with something snarling and vicious within my soul. And when the madness passed... You! Hold it right there! What in the name of... Good Lord! The man I'd attacked was dead. Some sort of animal. But Lord, the way it runs, like a man. There was a bridge, a muddy river. I dived in, my shoulder afire, with the agony of a glancing bullet. My arm, my arm. Somehow I got away. Where am I? How did I get here? What is this place? I ran, I ran. Under the light of the bright full moon, I ran. I must find my way home. Why am I here? Why? My skin is burning. My thoughts unclear. Why am I here? But the night gave me no answer, and I felt my dark dreams slipping, and in a moment, I awoke. No! What? I... I'm home again. That dream. Each time I have it, the dream grows worse. It almost seemed real. Today, I'm a full-fledged 18 years old. My arm was slashed, just as it had been cut in the dream by a policeman's bullet. Suddenly, it all came flooding back. That dream. Was it a dream? Lord, what if it was real? Jack, Jack, it's almost time for breakfast. Yeah, I know, Mom. 
I guess I don't feel very hungry. Maybe I'll just rest in my room today and think. I had plenty to think about. I didn't know what was bothering me exactly. When evening came, I headed for a lonely stretch of beach. I felt myself fall forward. My vision blurred and when it cleared, I saw a thing that made me scream. My hand! And in the sudden brilliance of unclouded moonlight, in the reflection of a muddy pool, I saw him for the first time. And I knew, I knew! I was a werewolf. I have no way of knowing how I spent those hours before dawn. I must have wandered until the beast who was myself died. When morning came, Jack, Jack! Lord, where have you been? We've been searching for you everywhere. Jack! I heard my stepfather's words only dimly. Can you walk? Try to get to your feet. Lisa, fix him some coffee. Yes, coffee. I'm okay, Dad. I'm okay. The house was warm. Lisa, you're crying. What's wrong? She can't answer you, Jack. What? Why not? Your sister's almost hysterical. Dad, tell me, please, what's happening? Tell you? If you'd been here, you'd know. Your mother was almost killed tonight, Jack. She's lucky to be alive. Something went wrong with the brakes of her car. She was searching for you, Jack. Searching for me? Then she must have known. And now she may be dying. And it's my fault, all mine. That's one way to see it, son. Please, Mr. Russell, the boys have said, let me be with him alone. I wish I could have said something to Dr. Allen. You're mighty tense, lad. You can't blame yourself, you know. I can't. Just watch me, Doc. He gave me a shot. Something to relax me, he said. Just as he was leaving, I heard the phone. Yes, this is Mr. Russell. Unchanged? Yes, I see. But if Mrs. Russell should awaken, please tell her we've found Jack. And then it all faded, melting into black. And when I woke, it was mid-afternoon. Mom! Lord, how could I sleep while she... I'd better get down to the hospital, find out how she is. Mrs. Russell? Sorry, son, she's on the critical list. That means no one can see her. No one. Sure, thanks. Somehow I've got to find out where she is. The doctor over there, talking about Mom. That must be her room. I'll just wait, and then... Lord! Jack? Is it you? Yeah, Mom. It's me, the professional prodigal son. What's this? Please, try a smile for Mom. Sure, Mom. Jack, Jack, stop feeling so sorry for yourself. Your father would be ashamed, but you never knew what kind of a man he really was. Mom. Don't stop me, Jack. I won't be stopped. This is a, a part of your heritage I always ignored pretend it didn't exist, but now I'm dying, and you have to be told. Come on, Mom, don't say that. You live longer than me. Jack, you don't understand. I've done you a terrible wrong. I've given you a curse, one that will live with you forever. A curse? I don't understand. How could you? Your father was a fine man. A man I met in a small Baltic state while just a student on a holiday abroad. A man I married and bore a son. Ah, Jacob, you're a big lad, eh? Big like your father, bright like your mother. Those first two years were idyllic. Yet even then I could sense some dark secret that stood between us. A secret that blossomed like some wicked fruit once a month. When he would lock himself in the single musty tower. And remain there for three days and three nights. He told me he studied his books on those nights. And for two years I tried to believe him. Until that night of the storm. When a bolt of lightning tore out the tower's side. Later that same night, in the village below... The village carpenter made his way homeward through the street. Who's... No! But he never made it home again. Aye, my lady. 
We need the Baron's aid, we do. Everybody knows he's the most educated man in all the land. Why, he's upstairs in the tower. This way, gentlemen. But he wasn't there, Jack. Gone! The demon must have taken the Baron, too. But on the following night, as the townspeople hunted in the northern woods... There! In the shadows! Something moved! Not just something, Jack. The hideously deformed caricature of the man those peasants dared call. Werewolf! Though I wasn't there, I could hear the sound of them shooting silver bullets. I can hear that pitiful monster's cry every night, every moment I try to dream. For you see, the men came to me later and told me the horrible secret they'd uncovered. It's him! Lord, it's the Baron! My father? A werewolf? Maybe that explains it all. How could I have told you, Jack? I'd read the family books. Knew it was an hereditary curse. One that you may well have been damned with. You, or even little Lissa. And the curse? To become a man like beast. First on the night of your 18th year. And forevermore, whenever the full moon blooms. Well, Mother. You might as well know what you've probably already guessed. The curse is mine. But why did it happen to our family? Why us? I could stay there no longer. Have to get away. Jack! Blackness blistered inside of me. All I could see was the moon. The moon. Something boiled up within me. An unearthly force tore my mind apart. I was changing into a werewolf once more. As my human mind slipped away, I felt the horror. A horror I would have to live with my whole life. Unless, unless I could find out what had caused the curse. Perhaps then there would be a way out. Would a journey to my father's homeland bring the answers? Twenty hours later and across the large expanse of Transylvania... This is it, Topaz. Rusoff Manor. Among these old books, we're bound to find some of the answers. God knows, maybe all. Jack, come here. I think I've found it. Yes. This is exactly what I've been searching for, Topaz. Here, read this. How my great-great-great-grandfather became the werewolf. It began in 1795. That's a long time ago. Into the night, I read the diary. Words penned by the first member of my family to be stricken by the curse. How I survived this past week, I shall never know. It began. But I now fear the coming of each night. Each full moon for the horrors that it brings me. It began one week before, and when it shall end, I fear I will never know. Baron Rusov, I am sorry, but your wife, she's been slain by the vampire. Louisa killed? By Dracula? He threatened if I did not kneel to his power that I would suffer. I must slay him. Gustav. Lay my wife to rest. I have work that must be done. I go to kill the demon. Castle Dracula was unguarded, for there were none in the village below who would have dared venture towards it save I. And so, making my entrance to the fiend's underground chambers was done with ease. You sleep in comfort, do you, Dracula? Then sleep tightly, dark beast, for you shall never waken again. The devil screamed as the wooden stake stabbed through his heart. But his scream lasted only one short, breathed moment. For in an instant, there were only ashes where flesh had once been. I threw his coffin in the cold Danube waters below. I thought revenge had been mine. Then I heard a muffled sound, a cry. And heaven help my foolish curiosity, I turned to its source. There was a door sealed with a wooden beam, and idiot that I was, I opened it to find a girl. Who are you, lass? And why are you imprisoned in this living hell? I am called Lydia, sir. And it was Dracula who placed me here. Damn devil! How long have you been here, girl? One month, sir. And kept alive only as long as my blood pleased him. Live in fear no longer, Lydia. The fiend is dead. We walked beneath the moon and I talked, but my conversation was the last thing she cared about, for as the full silvered moon loomed above us, I heard a fierce, slavering growl, a wail from a being, neither human nor animal. And when I turned towards it, I saw the face of my death. 
Her claws glistened in the moonlight, but it was her eyes that transfixed and paralyzed me as my murderer sank her fangs into my neck. And from that moment on, I was cursed. And for the next two nights, beneath the rising full moon, I became a mindless, rampaging werewolf. There's more to read, but not now. But why did Dracula keep a werewolf locked away? What could he fear from it? The diary said Dracula could not control the beast as he was able to control others. That there was something about her that made her impervious to his commands. Which probably means that Dracula's command won't affect me. And that I'll be the one who'll be able to stop him. Maybe that's it, Topaz. Maybe if I can defeat Dracula, the curse of the werewolf will be broken. You must be careful, Jack. Dracula is very powerful. Looks like I'm going to have company tonight. Unexpected company. <laughs> I see those two young fools from Rose of Manor wish to enter my castle. Good. <laughs> Very good indeed. Dracula leaps from the tower roof and flies once again as the raven-winged bat. Topaz, run! It's Dracula attacking! But before the girl can move... Topaz! Oh, he's taken him. I'll find you, Topaz! That I swear! As Jack Russell scales the peak to Castle Dracula, he is bathed in the light of the full moon, and Jack Russell once again becomes the werewolf. However, inside the castle... My dear young lady, welcome to my castle. I hope you will enjoy my hospitality. Suddenly, he hears the harsh, guttural growling of the werewolf. What? A beast attacks here in my castle? Now he shall finally perish! The battle begins. Dracula commands the beast to stop, to halt. But this is a new breed of beast. It attacks. Dracula's orders affect it not, for the werewolf bites its ivory fangs deeper and deeper into Dracula's neck. Until Dracula turns, his face burning with bloodthirsty rage, and leaps at the werewolf's throat. Back and forth they writhe in deadly combat. And soon it's obvious, neither can win, but neither will lose. Fight well, werewolf. Take the girl and go, and pray that we never meet again. For the next time, I will not be so kind. Until the next time... <laughs> With that, the bat that once was Dracula rises into the night, and the curse of the werewolf remains bloodied, but unbroken. Our last story for this podcast is Spider-Man, The Mark of the Man-Wolf. This particular story is one that I had been saving for this season as I always felt it was kind of a chilling audio. But in 1974, Power Records came out with this comic book and record set for Spider-Man fans. It was one I had as a kid, and it's always been a favorite. So... Here's Spider-Man in The Mark of the Man-Wolf from Power Records presents The Mark of the Man-Wolf. The amazing Spider-Man has many friends, but Jonah Jameson, publisher of the powerful Daily Bugle, isn't one of them. What is this, Robertson? Be kind to criminals, day? Now, Jonah, all I said was we'd better be sure about our facts before we publicly condemn Spider-Man. If it turns out he is innocent... Innocent? Maybe you don't understand, Robertson. A man has been killed, a man who happened to be a good friend of mine, and I believe that wall-crawling menace is responsible. I know it. So get this, Robertson. Since I can't hire someone to bring that killer in, I intend to see justice done another way, by making the public demand his capture at once. I'm only your city editor, Jonah, but I think you're making a grave mistake. Wait a second, Robbie. We've got company. I'll talk to you later then, Jonah. Hi, Dad. Thought I'd drop by to pick you up for dinner. It's time you met my fiancée, Christine Saunders. Fiancée? 
Well, I must say, it's about time. Uh, we were finished, weren't we, Robbie? If you say so, Jonah. I don't believe I've had the pleasure. Sorry, Robbie. This is my son, John. John's just retired from astronautics. He was one of the last men to make a moonwalk. Son, this is Joe Robertson, my city editor. Glad to meet you, John. Same here, Mr. Robertson. Sorry we've got to rush off. Moments later, in the hall outside. Dad, would you... Would you excuse me a moment? I... I... John, are you all right, son? You're white as a sheet and you're trembling. I... I'm sorry, Dad. Got a touch of the flu. The flu? You'd better take care of yourself, John. Like I said, Dad, sorry. I've been under a strain. I'd better get home. Later this same evening, in a brownstone overlooking the Hudson River, a door opens, releasing a sliver of yellow light and the stumbling form of a young man. Nothing I can do. It's happening again. I'm changing. Changing. And in several seconds, we see before us a man-wolf. Whoever was present in this creature a moment ago is dead. Now there is only an animal seeking someone. It runs through the darkness. Now and then it climbs and leaps from roof to roof as it hunts its quarry. And that quarry is man, one particular human. A head, the man-wolf thinks. The one I hunt is a head. One final leap, and he looks across at the human being he seeks. And in one sleep motion, the man-wolf leaps. What in the name of heaven? Who are you and what's the meaning of this? Do you realize who I am? The name is Jonah Jameson, my friend. And I'll have you know, J. Jonah Jameson is not the kind of man to be amused by some sort of infantile I demand an explanation for this, this ridiculous costume. I'm warning you, I'm warning you. It is then, of course, that Jameson realizes the creature before him is not wearing a costume. And it is then, naturally, that J. Jonah Jameson becomes afraid. And by then, you see, it's already far too late. Good Lord in heaven! No! We hate to leave J. Jonah Jameson at a time like this. But a few minutes earlier, in another part of the city, Peter Parker, boy student, who is otherwise known as Spider-Man, is passing a newsstand. One glimpse of the Daily Bugle and... That does it. This time, Jameson's gone too far. The Spider-Man Menace, a new series by J. Jonah Jameson. Every time something happens in this town, Jameson blames me. According to Mr. Warren, Spider-Man should be hunted down like a mad dog. Innocent till proven guilty. Remember that, Jameson? That's supposed to be the way we live. Why don't you leave me alone, Jameson? Why don't you leave me alone? I've had it, Jameson. You want me guilty? You've got it. I'll show you a menace, Jameson. You just better hope your insurance is paid up, buddy. Because, mister, you're going to need it. I never asked to be bitten by that blasted radioactive spider. But I was, JJJ. And I've tried to make the best of it. But you, you just won't see that, will you? Maybe after tonight you'll be a little saner, JJJ. Maybe after you get a taste of what my wedding can really do, you'll leave me alone. In some people, anger can burn for hours. But in others, it lasts only a minute or two. That's the way it is with Spider-Man, sometimes. Luckily for J. Jonah Jameson, this is one of those times. By coincidence, Spider-Man seems to have arrived at Jameson's apartment just at the right moment. Now, that's a kick in the head. Either Jameson's taken to keeping pets or... Or I just saw a werewolf. Spider-Man, you're in this too. In case you had murdered, Sweetums, I just saved your life. Say, Jonah, I didn't think you were so lovable. I'd say White Fang here had a grudge against you. Think about it, Jameson. Have you insulted any werewolves lately? They don't scare me a bit. I've been spoiling for a good fight, and it's about time I... Our hero isn't faring too well. Look out, Spider-Man! Look out! Spider-Man, unconscious. It wouldn't be fair to call Jonah Jameson a coward, but at this moment, he is frightened halfway to death, but not frightened enough to resist a snarling man-wolf. What? What do you want with me? Why me? I... I've never done anything to you. Never attacked... attacked you. Why did... did you pick me? As though an answer, the man-wolf backs off. And Jameson's eyes draw down, and he sees what he has not seen before. Man stares at Wolf, and Wolf stares in turn, and something passes between the two. A wordless communication, a plea for help. 
Then, without another sound, the man-wolf springs from the window, leaving behind him one very quiet, middle-aged entrepreneur and a slowly stirring Spider-Man. Jonah, what happened to tall, dark, and hairy? Don't tell me you beat them all by your lonesome. If that gets out, we'll have to put you up against the heavyweight chain. Say, what's the deal, Jameson? Where are those snappy comebacks? You're not going after him, Spider-Man. I won't allow it. You won't what? After that character tried to kill you? That doesn't matter. It's not important. If you attack him, I'll make you pay, you wall-crawling menace. Look, I'm not your biggest fan, but that monster... Spider-Man, I swear to you, if you move one muscle against that creature, I'll report this as an attempt on my life by you. Am I clear? Loud and clear. Next time, remind me not to play Good Samaritan. Some people have a weird sense of gratitude. Grateful? How can I be grateful to the man I hate most in the world? How can I be grateful when the mad killer he saved me from is my son? Hours pass. The man-wolf leaps and lunges from roof to roof, searching. It can sense its prey. It seems like no other the man-wolf has ever sought. The one who attacked me, who sought to kill me, he is there. The one who must die. Funny. He started this evening all knotted up. Now I, I feel kind of loose. It was a fight with the man-wolf. Somehow it released all my tensions, worked out all my anger. Almost. I can dig the world. You spoke too soon, Spider-Man. Too soon. Oh, no, not the man-wolf again. What are you doing here? If you're looking for a fight, look out. You're pushing us over the edge. We're going to fall. But then, as our puzzled hero chances to glance down at his struggling assailant. Wait a minute. I see the door. But where? I can't remember where. Whoops! I blew it. Lost my attention, my grip, and next on the list is my life. But a new element is added to the picture. The moon. It's setting. That means you're due for a transformation. Just as I thought. What's going to happen when the moon goes down? You split. I'm sorry, you're not getting off that easy. Suddenly, you've caught my interest with that pendant thing, and there's no way I'm letting you slip out of my hands until. Knock on the head you gave me a couple of hours ago, Jameson's pad. Oh, my head! Come on, Parker, you've got to snap out of it. You've got to think. Where have you seen that pendant before? Where? 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 Though he isn't aware of it, our hero is on the right track, and so is a certain publisher. This is my son's apartment. All I can do is pray that I'm wrong. John? Son, are you there? Blasted boy, answer me! Oh, dear Lord, that costume. I'd recognize it anywhere. It's true, then. My son is a man-wolf. John! John, wake up! I demand an explanation! At once! Dad, is that you? Of course it's me, John. And I'm alone. Now, will you tell me what's happened to you? What sort of insanity? I wish I were insane, Dad. It'd be easier to accept than this. For a moment, Jonah J. Jameson stares at the man he calls his son. And when he speaks again, his voice is softer. Tell me, John. Please. I want to help. If only you could... There's nothing you or anyone can do. This is my nightmare. I've got to get out of it myself, just as I got into it, all by myself. It all started six months ago at Cape Canaveral with the takeoff of a special unscheduled moon flight. It was the same friend who worked in the quarantine center. With a little coaxing, I got him to borrow the moon rock for me. I had my rock made into a pendant, and I took to wearing it around my neck. Didn't think much about it at first, until one night, I was taking the turnpike up to New York for a late dinner date with my fiancée, Christine. Something happened to me. Something inexplicable. 
That's funny. Suddenly I feel tired, exhausted. Mustn't be getting enough sleep. Either that or it's this blasted night driving. It wasn't the night driving. It was the moon. The sudden light touched me. I glanced up, and it was then that it began. The pendant, glowing, something about the moon. Lord in heaven, what's happening to me? Every month since then, I've been transformed. And to date, none of my efforts to stop that transformation have succeeded. Not even the radiation suit I had made to cut out the lunar rays. The first time I wore it, last night, the suit came apart. Just like my chances to see this madness through alive. Don't talk like that, son. It's obvious you haven't thought this out at all. Why not just take off the pendant? Don't you think I thought of that, Dad? I have tried to remove the stone, but it's too late. It's grafted itself to my skin, permanently. Seven hours have passed. Seven hours? And now it's time to get on the trail of the man-wolf. In another part of the city, at that certain brownstone, we find... It's not like John to ignore a date. I hope he isn't sick. He has been acting oddly these past few weeks. Hmm, that's funny. And I can hear the bell ringing upstairs. And if that isn't John up in the window, I need glasses. He wants to pretend I'm not here? All right, I'm not here. And upstairs. Now it's your turn, Dad. Better leave. Something changes in me when I become that thing. I want to hurt the people I love, like Christine, and like you. Now, son, if you're trying to tell me the reason you attacked me was to kill me, that's utter nonsense. You wanted my help, don't you see that, John? And you, you couldn't stop yourself, your animal self, from, from... <laughs> Meanwhile, a few blocks away, Spider-Man starts on his moonlight journey. Hurry, Spider-Man, hurry! Great, what a good night's sleep can do. I almost feel like myself again. Was going through my mind. A pendant. A pendant. Hey, wait a minute. My subconscious must have been working overtime because it just put two and two together and came up with four. That costume the man wolf was wearing. It wasn't fabric, it was some sort of insulation material, the kind used on spacesuits for astronauts. And it just hit me who I know that has an astronaut's son. And who was attacked by a werewolf in astronaut clothing? J. Jonah Jameson. A quick glance in the Manhattan telephone directory tells our hero what he needs to know, and so... Maybe I'll have some good luck for a change. Bingo! Looks like I've hit the jackpot. It's the man-wolf. Here we go again, Wolfie. This time, I have a theory to try out. It's my guess that pendant is what's making you a werewolf. And so it has to come off. Even if I have to... Spider-Man, what's happening to him? He's... he's changing. Dear Lord, I didn't realize the pendant had grafted itself onto his skin. The transformation begins, and the identity of the monster becomes apparent, all too painfully apparent. John, son, are you all right? He's just fine, Jameson, now that this thing's off him. Better get him a doctor, though, fast. Doctor? The publicity. Publicity? Your son's life was at stake, not to mention the lives of people he might have killed. Let's hope we stopped him in time. Johnny, are you okay? Mr. Jameson, is he okay? Answer her, Jameson. Tell her everything's real swell. Maybe someday you'll even begin to believe it yourself. Spider-Man, wait! I... Save it for the papers, Jonah. Save it for tomorrow. And so ends another adventure of the amazing Spider-Man. that's going to wrap it up for this episode. We appreciate you stopping by and listening in with us here on the couch, and we hope you'll continue to come back. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out some of the other episodes we have to offer, as well as new episodes, which are uploaded every Monday and Wednesday. We are listener supported as we have always been by you, the listeners. We thank you all for your support. 
as an ongoing reminder, starting in November, we will be moving to one day a week, and that will be on Fridays. Uh, starting next week, what we have coming up is we're going to do a couple from Edgar Allan Poe. So next week for October nights, it is our Edgar Allan Poe week. After that, there's still plenty of other surprises that we have waiting in the wings. We hope you'll tune in and check out to see what we have to offer. But until then, this has been Couch and Coffee Table. Until next time, be good to yourself.